everyone. Welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Julia Beauchamp, and I'm here with Computer World Contributing Editor Preston Grala, as well as Computer World Managing Editor for Features Val Potter. We are live on YouTube as well as on the Computer World's LinkedIn page. So if you have any questions, comments, and you want to let us know, opinions, whatever, do let us know in the comment section or the live chat if you're watching on YouTube, and we will do our best to answer your question while we are actually live. So on Tuesday, Microsoft um, had an event and announced a bunch of new features coming to Windows 11, mostly geared towards hybrid work, remote work. So I thought it was a great opportunity for you two to come on and talk about you know what some of these new features are, whether they're going to really solve some IT pain points. And um, I don't know, talk a little bit about Windows at large. I know they made a, they made a note that they thought, you know, we all thought that Windows 11 was never going to happen and it happened. So I'm kind of wondering about what, what the future rollout looks like. So I guess um, my first question, I don't want to like labor over talking about every single feature, but what are some, I guess, highlights that in, in your views? Um, maybe I'll start with that. I think that um, that some of the biggest ones really are um, the uh, integration of the desktop with the cloud desktop. Microsoft yeah. has something called Windows 365, which is basically a remote, a virtual desktop. And what's great about this, and really is good, especially for remote work, what's great about this is it allows an enterprise to unify all of their workers, whether they're at home, whether they're in the enterprise, in the office, whether they're at a, on an airplane, whether they're in a coffee shop, wherever they are, they can have the enterprise approved desktop with all the tools right there. And basically the way it works is you can run it on any device. You can run it on Windows, PC, Linux, um, iOS, Android. Now Microsoft announced this back in August, um, but it's uh, improved it somewhat with four features. I can't say this, these are earth shaking, but there are several features that are really worth mentioning, I think. One big one is um, you can now boot directly into the Windows 11 desktop. So before this, mm -hmm. you, had to do, you were running a Linux machine. You had to first boot into Linux and then run the desktop. Now just boot directly into it. Um, earth shaking, no, but you know what? It's really easy and makes life easier. Uh, in addition to that, if you're in Windows 11, you can now easily get into the desktop because you'll be able to put it the into the um, you know the cloud desktop, cloud-based desktop, because you can put a link to it in various different places. Um, you can also switch now easily. Not now. You will be. All these things are not here yet. Let me. This is Microsoft we're talking about. So you know everything is future. Nothing is current. Um, but you'll be able to switch in the same way you can switch between virtual desktops. You could switch between your local desktop and your um, virtual desktop, which in this case will be a cloud-based desktop. And the final thing, and this is really far away and may never happen, is that you'll be able to do this even if you're without an internet connection. So in some way, what they'll be able to let you do is you'll be able to launch the desktop. And then once you get back to your internet connection, your, um, your cloud-based desktop will sync. Uh, that, again, a little bit squirrely about when it'll happen. Will it even happen? You know, Microsoft <laughs> says it so, but as we know, them saying it so doesn't always make it happen. I think, um, yeah, I think, I guess I'm kind of wondering, I don't know, it was funny, like when you said, you know, this may, this may not happen. Does Microsoft have a reputation for that? You want to take that one, Val? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say yes. Um, okay. 
partly, um, I mean, there, there definitely have been instances in the past where a, a big promise feature has just never materialized um, or it was sort of rolled out and it was just such a disaster that it had to be rolled back again. Um, I think also an, another thing, though, is um, they have this Windows Insider program where mm -hmm. um, they test out new features and um, initially they didn't really make it that clear that just because they were testing out a feature that it was actually really going to happen. Okay. And so I think part of the confusion has come from that where they're, they're testing out things and based on user feedback or, or so many bugs, it's unusable or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, um, it never actually sees the light of day. Um, whereas when they first rolled out that program, they made it sound like here's what's coming in the next version of windows. Um, mm -hmm. and that just often didn't, wasn't the case. And so, um, so part of the reputation is deserved. Part of it is just more <laughs> of communication. Sure. Yeah, I, I, think right. I think you're right, Val. And you know, one sort of great example of that, there was a feature that was going to be, for me, one of the best features of all time in Windows called Sets, which would allow you to have multiple applications in a single application itself. So Word, for example, let's say you're working on a, uh, on a marketing project, right? Well, you could have Word open, but you'd also have an Excel spreadsheet on a tab inside Word. So when you need to check the budget or something like that, you know, you could write your documentation, you could check your budget, you could have a PowerPoint presentation all in one unit in mm -hmm. Word and Excel and whatever. And that was, I guess I was thinking a lot about that because I mourn its loss, even though it never existed. <laughs> All right. So, so maybe a reputation, but you know, we're, we don't have to be a, a tabloid. <laughs> so um, Val, maybe this question is um, for you. The way that I kind of interpreted the um, Windows announcement, and you can obviously let me know if this is not how you see it, but it kind of felt like, you know, some features were announced that were very IT specific, designed to make IT's job easier when, you know, deploying and managing um, remote uh, or hybrid workers. And it also seemed that some of it were also just, you know, uh, for targeted towards the general workforce, things like productivity. Um, I know, uh, you know, video conferencing enhancements, that kind of thing, file explorer. So what, um, I don't know, I guess I'm curious, you know, I guess you can go over some of those types of features. Um, but, and then I think I do want to focus a lot on the IT side of things uh, specifically. So I guess, what are some of the general productivity things? Okay, yeah. So, um, so the the general productivity things. They're again, as as Preston was saying, with the uh, with the other features, uh, the the cloud uh, desktop integration. None of this is really earth shattering, but uh, they're they're generally pretty useful. Um, for instance, in File Explorer. Um, you, there are going to be tabs now, so so you can instead of having to open multiple windows, you can just open multiple tabs. Uh, but probably more useful in File Explorer is is um, sort of suggestions that are driven by context. Uh, that actually, I mean, I haven't seen it in action um, except in a very staged, <laughs> you know, uh, demo. Uh, but but that could be actually quite useful, mm -hmm. um, I think. So I mean, they've sort of had some of this all of this stuff is iterative. So, you know, some of this has existed in some form before. Um, now it has a name, it's called Context IQ. Uh, but, uh, but 
the fact that they're giving it a name means I feel like they think it's far enough along to actually, you know, tout it as a feature. So uh, I think that could be really useful. There's a new um, focus app that is, um, it's basically just do not disturb, but um, it's just a little easier to get to. You can, you can just get to it from the, from your uh, notification windows notification center. So uh, it's, can just get to it in a click or two instead of, you know, having to dig in a little deeper. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more automation, a little bit smoothing things out. Um, and, um, nothing, nothing really earth shattering. I don't think <laughs> so. Sure. One thing I like to add also, which isn't really windows, it's teams, a uh, video for teams that, 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 um, that I think is pretty good. Um, a couple of things there they had, and one is that it is, um, it's going to improve your voice. It uses AI, a lot of AI mm -hmm. stuff. It improves voice clarity um, in particular. Um, it also, what it'll do is it'll now follow you around the room. So if you're walking your camera, not the physical camera, right? Obviously, the focus of your camera will mm -hmm. follow you around. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, one thing I can use, if you look at what's in back of me, is a background blur. And, um, you know, if you're working in a home office that may not be particularly neat and you want to seem professional, I think uh, <laughs> that will probably help a lot. And then there's one final thing in there that um, really gives me the creeps. And it is um, a feature that will apparently use AI to, if you're not looking straight at the camera or looking at somebody, it will somehow do its video magic and make it look like you're looking at them. So your eyes will appear to be looking straight at somebody. Now you could say, well, that's great. You know, people should always look each other in the eye. But, you know, if you don't look each somebody in the eye, that's a clue. That's a visual clue to what they're like and what they're doing at that moment. So if, if somebody lies to you, for example, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll have it to you on Thursday. I'm pretty sure I'll have it to you then, right? But so if they're refusing to look in your eye, there's at least a visual clue you can use there. Sure. And so, you know, that visual clue will be gone. It made me think, well, what if I want to get rid of lines under, you know, is there Botox mode? <laughs> that's only a little bit of a joke. It really does give me the creeps, the idea that when we're talking, we're seeing each other. Yeah. And that AI might be used to change who we actually are. And that really, maybe it's me, but that kind of disturbs me. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think you can take a different framing and say it's it's like a productivity tool because you can be looking at your email and scrolling Twitter while you're in a meeting and no one will know. Exactly. You can do two things at once. I think two notes about that. What uh, I think even Microsoft, somebody in the presentation or, or something I read somewhere said um, uh, that that is something they're looking into, um, especially the. The, the, uh, that last item you called out, the, the eye contact one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and if it is too creepy, they might drop it <laughs> or, or try to uh, change it or, or tweak it somehow. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, and the other thing is uh, just to note it, even though this is, this is for teams and it, it actually does rely on a particular chip. It's only going to be available in windows uh, machines that use chips with neural processing units. Okay. Uh, so, it's sort and yeah, so it's sort of hardware is sort of Windows 11, um, but it is also for use in in Teams and mm -hmm. other videos, I think. So yeah, so a lot of the framing around this event, well, not a lot of all of the framing around this event was around hybrid work, about supporting hybrid workers, remote workforce. Which I mean, I th think we've said this. If I had to count 
a gajillion times already. But, you know, obviously remote work, hybrid work is going to be very much the model going forward for a lot of organizations. And it makes a lot of sense that these types of, you know, Microsoft will want to roll these types of features out, especially obviously to an enterprise client. Um, But I guess my question is, you know, first of all, not all these features and Preston, you had pointed this out previously when we had been talking offline that, you know, are all these features actually, you know, hybrid work related? Not necessarily. But my other observation is, you know, we're two years in now to a hybrid or remote work. It's not new info. Like I said, I guess you, what, what has taken them so long? I mean, I know it takes time to develop these things, but. You have a gigantic install base of, of, computers and software that wasn't designed for this. And and it's not just the install base, it's that the number of enterprises too, to change the way work is being, I mean, let's face it, work has been done this, has been local, has been live, has been people together for as long as people have worked. This is a long, you know, it's been a long, long time and computers and software were developed for that kind of work and they're just not capable of it yet. I mean, I think that I think you need a lot more powerful, um, that, that neuroprocessor you mentioned, um, Val, is a good example. I think you can need a lot more stuff like that if we really, really, really want to make it work. So because let's face it, we've all been in meetings on Zoom or Teams or whatever, and these are, it's not like being there. It is not the same thing. It's not, it's just not good enough. And, you know, the collaboration tools that exist too have been around for a long time. So it's going to take them, I think, It'll be constant years, I think. I think it's going to be changed all the constant change all the time. It's going to be well. I think this is one of those, you know, sometimes in technology, there are inflection points that changes everything. And it's easy for the marketing people to grab hold of every tiny little thing that happens and said this changes everything. But I think the pandemic and the move to this hybrid work model does change everything and that no one was prepared for it. Microsoft was good from the beginning. When this started, they jumped on it before anybody, but it just shows if they haven't even got close to being there, just how long it's going to take. It's a tough, it's a tough job, both in terms of, you know, sociologically, interpersonally, and certainly technologically. I also think that the hybrid work trend, I mean, remote work has been around for a couple of years. Hybrid work is sort of on the rise right now. It's the, it's, it's the buzzword du jour because people are going back to the office part of the time. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I think Microsoft just had all these features in development and this was a way to sort of okay. lump them all together. And uh, it, I was thinking about the fact that, it, um, you know, they used to have with Windows 10, they had two feature releases per year. They had one in the spring and one in the fall. Now they've switched to a, a schedule where they only release in the fall. So uh, what are they going to do in the spring? Well, this is, they're going to just have a big announcement for okay. stuff that's not even available yet, just so that they can keep the, the marketing going mm-hmm. uh, so that they're not limited to, to just the, the uh, fall actual rollout of the next, uh, next version of Windows 11. You know, and that actually, you know, that brings up a point that I wanted to make. You're right about that. And it brings up a point that maybe a minor point, but maybe a larger point about during the announcement, when they were talking about File Explorer new tabs, mm-hmm. they didn't call it a new feature. They called it a new experience. It's not a feature. It's an experience. And so, um, you know, it's just, again, the assault on the English language continues by Microsoft <laughs> and by marketing teams. And I understand that. But, you know, it's offensive to me as a writer. And actually, it does explain something. You know, and Val, I think you probably noticed this, too. You remember that, the, that Microsoft 
they, they release things now that they call experience packs. And I could, you know, in between. And, and that's what that is for is for what you talked about, Val, which is it doesn't have to be once a year now. Now in between, they'll release something they call an experience pack, which will have new features. So I wouldn't be surprised to see File Explorer, for example, uh, with tabs come out not when it would in its annual cycle, but through one of these experience packs. I think I would bet, in fact, because that should be a fairly easy one to do. They're testing it already. I think they'll do that. But that explained for me at least something that always puzzled me is why in the world do they call a new build an experience pack? And now I get it. It's because it's it's marketing talk for a feature. <laughs> exactly. Sure. <laughs> so before I forget, I know I said earlier, I, I really did want to like hammer in some of these IT specific features, um, whether they're deployment features, management features, um, and I know there's some security features as well. So what, I don't know, what are some of them, but also importantly, how are they, how are they different than what we have now? And are they solving, you know, a, a real problem that IT is facing? Uh, I'll take a first crack and then because then, I don't know a lot about it. I felt that, I don't know if you thought this, Mel, but I thought that the details of that about that were kind of lacking. There was a lot of sort of what I interpret as kind of talk and hand-waving. Um, they said that, for example, Endpoint Manager was now going to be integrated with a number of other different tools so that instead of having to run this software, this software, this software, you'd be able to look at all, I guess, from a unified, um, one unified app. Um, but they didn't provide at least many details that I saw. The only details I saw was something was about help so that help desks would be integrated better with endpoint managers so they could provide remote help to people, which makes a lot of sense to me. But beyond that, I didn't get much. Did, did you find anything, Val, beyond that, that, that I missed? Uh, yeah, it was, it's sort of just, again, it's just, more making you know improvements, enhancements to to an, a, 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 a existing tools, more automation. There's something called Windows Auto Patch um, that I guess is not is going to be available. They actually put a date on this one, July in July. That's going to be uh, rolled out. Um, most of these didn't have any dates on them, but um, and um, it, it it's just a way for for uh, companies to additionally sort of automate their their patching process for Windows, Microsoft Edge, and um, the Microsoft 365 apps as well. So, um, and it uses the Windows Update for Business Deployment Service. So, I mean, it's, again, that's an existing thing. It's just sort of sort of uh, bringing things into Endpoint Manager, which makes sense to me because the idea behind Microsoft Endpoint Manager and and other uh, universal endpoint, or sorry, unified endpoint management tools is it's that it's unified. Everything is you you can get to everything from a single pane of glass. And so, I feel like this is just sort of iterations on the way to to making that happen. Um, UEM platforms are not completely unified at this moment, or at least Microsoft Endpoint Manager isn't, and and it's just sort of working toward that. Um, but I also noticed that a lot of these things that they announced are sort of add-ons, um, and they aren't part of the core Microsoft Endpoint Manager. You're, the, these are additional premium experiences that, that you have to pay extra for. So um, I don't know how useful they're really going to be to most companies that, it, that are already using Endpoint Manager. Um, 
but uh, just how much they're willing to shell out for all these these nice extras, I think. But um, but yeah, and to the to the point of that the remote connection um, that you mentioned, the uh, it's called remote help. Um, Microsoft already had a feature in Windows 10 that was called Quick Assist, and it, it did basically the same thing, but in a less secure way. I think it was it was a remote assist tool. You could uh, dial into somebody, you know, share your screen or actually take control of somebody else's screen um, and help them so with with help desk problems, show them how to fix their problem or um, or fix it for them. Um, this is. An enhanced version of that. It's more secure, as you said. It's integrated with Endpoint Manager, um, and and uh, so again, it's it's a better tool than Quick Assist, but it's not a brand new thing. It's just more an enhancement uh, of an existing tool. So, I'm just with, take, with that information. What what has been announced that is like sort of banner brand new? Was there anything, or or were most of these things sort of enhancements i guess you'd say file explorer 10 is okay. new. <laughs> no, i mean i sorry to keep coming back but it's sort of i think it's actually a it depends on your personality i guess as to how big a deal it is for me it's I, a gigantic I, deal no i <laughs> feel like it's kind of a big deal i would yeah. i really didn't realize that it didn't exist yeah um, it didn't exist it should have decades ago yeah in fact, there's a whole trail of software people have made a living for years by in, creating a file manager, which, you know, let you drag and drop right inside that, which didn't, you know, which did this, or I don't know what took Microsoft so long. Um, so I think for me personally, that's probably one of the really, um, the really big deals for IT. Um, you know, I certainly think all of the, um, you know, the Windows desktop, the remote desktop, the virtual desktop, the cloud-based desktop, whatever you want to call it, I think not immediately, but I think in the long term, that's a really big deal because again, if you're a company, anything you do to make it easier to make sure that your workers know where, where they are, have the enterprise approved desktop, um, that it's safe and secure, that has all the tools they can reach. Um, I think in the long run, that may, you know, it may be more than any other tool announced, the biggest deal that they have for the remote mm -hmm. work, for the hybrid kind of work, because and that way, you know, I, I mean, I would assume that they're going to do a lot of other tools that I, I can't imagine right now what they are, but that allow IT to kind of reach out beyond the walls of the company out into where you are virtually and mm -hmm. do these kinds of things. I think that's one of the things that has to happen for real hybrid work that hasn't happened yet. I was also impressed by some of the security um, features that they they mentioned. Um, it, they really have embraced the zero trust uh, principle of security and had made a lot of enhancements to um, to to embrace that, but then also make it a somewhat smart. Um, you know, one of the one of the pain points I think for users has always been that you know you don't have and you shouldn't have. Um, um, administrator access to your own machine if it's you know to your to your company owned machine um, and so a lot of things like you know just downloading software is kind of a pain point um, without getting IT's permission first and so they are using a lot of um, artificial intelligence to sort of uh, make that process a little smoother so that um, you can grant the user elevated permissions just temporarily for certain pre-approved things or or even um, 
you know, anything that's in the Microsoft Store, um, there's there's enhanced phishing protection where it's sort of real time, uh, a link that looks perfectly legitimate to you. It could even be embedded in an app like Teams. Um, the user clicks on it and it asks for their their password again, um, and you just think, oh, of course, you know. Teams just kind of spaced out and forgot my password, and I have to log in again. Um, but uh, but actually, it could be a, a malware link, and so um, it prevents that from happening. But it allow and then allows you to to download the real app from the real source. Um, all that kind of thing. It uh, really does seem a lot of intelligence is included in some of these secure security enhancements, and that's going to make things safer and a lot easier for both IT and the end user. I think. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, uh, like one of the features that you were talking about called smart app control that uses AI and, and a variety of other kind of tools to make sure that what you're downloading is actually the real thing mm -hmm. will be a really big thing. Unfortunately, though, that if you already have Windows 11, it won't work. It's only going to work on new machines or if you take your existing machine and basically reinstall Windows on top of it, over it. Okay. So you have to get rid of your old Windows 11. Get them. I don't know why they have to do that, but they're doing that. And like you said, yeah, the and the thing about the um, the phishing, that's really good too. Although I did notice there was one thing that was a little odd, which if I understand it right, maybe I don't. It sounds like that's only when you enter your Microsoft credentials rather than in just any website. So it's a great feature, but I think a little bit limited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just wrapping up here, I kind of want to just move on to the rollout piece. I know the rollout of Windows 11 was not maybe just a little bit confusing because it was device and hardware specific. Um, I don't know. What do you see as what do you anticipate the rollout of these new features to be? I know a lot of them are at you know some distant point in the future or perhaps near point in the future, vague point in the future. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I guess what do you what do you anticipate that roll rollout looking like for uh, you know for IT? What what kind of headache, if at all, are they going to be facing? I think for the Windows specific features rather than IT features, I don't think that'll be much of an issue. I think they'll sure. it'll be either be the experience packs or the annual update or monthly update. You know, I think those that's pretty straightforward. But I think the bigger issue is going to be you know, what they're going to do with endpoint management, how they're going to integrate all that. And also, I think there's going to be a lot of problems with the um, with cloud Windows desktop. I think that's going to be, I, I, that's the one if I predict that I think that's the one that more than any is going to be problematic. It just seems like a pretty big thing to, to take on. And, and I think like endpoint manager, I think that since most of it, as you pointed out, Val, are really not major tweaks, I think, I think that'll be a little bit easier. But but with cloud PC, it's new anyway. It was just rolled out in August, so it hasn't been around a long time. And now to have these changes on top of it, I'm guessing I wouldn't bet on when any of, the, when any of those are coming in working form. I don't know, Val, how about you? What do you think? Everything you just said sounds spot on to me. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you both so much for the, your insight. Is there anything in specific that either of you were you know, dying to talk about that you feel that we missed? Because from my perspective, this feels like a really good overview, what it means, when IT can expect it, um, can, who it's going to help. Any final thoughts? Awesome. We're good. 
<laughs> thank you both so much. And thank you all so much for watching this episode of Today in Tech. If you have any questions, comments, opinions, anything that we didn't get to, please do let me know in the comments below and I'll do my best to get back to you. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, you can subscribe to our channel, hit the um, thumbs up, and also then hit the bell icon so you're notified every single time we post a new video. If you are watching on LinkedIn, you can head over to our YouTube channel, IDG Tech Talk, and you can subscribe to the channel there. Same deal, hit the bell icon, give it a thumbs up. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.